You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from our congressional care pastor, Aaron Caton. Well, the title of the message today is Brokenness. Uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me while I was in California on vacation that I would be speaking this day, and it would be on brokenness. And I wasn't in staff meeting, and Pastor Rita was speaking the 31st, and Pastor Robert said, it's between you and Pastor Micah, and I hadn't shared with him what I thought the Lord had told me. So we did a corn flip. Well, first I tried to give it away. I said, just let him, let him preach. And, and then he said, he said, no, we're going to flip a coin. And Pastor Micah won the coin toss, and the Lord still gave it back to me. So I believe that the message is for somebody, if not somebody's today. Amen? Amen. This photo's from North Carolina. It's from the beach trip that we were on. I was walking left most of the times whenever I'd hit the beach, but the Lord took me to the right. And he said, walk. And I kept walking. It took about two miles to get there. But once I got there, I saw this. And I understood what he was saying. It was all about brokenness. He was just confirming what he wants to teach today on brokenness. It's probably not a hoop and hollering message. It is going to try to teach us and draw us out of brokenness. Amen. And brokenness can come in so many different ways. In death, divorce, drugs, alcohol, addiction. It can come in our own children, right? Everyone deals with, with brokenness in so many different ways. And I'm not trying to make light of anybody's circumstances or their brokenness, right? I had brokenness this week. We moved Tory Grill to Fairmont State. It's only 15 minutes down the road, but I had some brokenness. That's my baby girl. I walked out of her dorm room a few times down the hallway to try to suck all my emotions back into my heart, back inside of this man that I am, right? But I walked right back in there and I could feel it was time to leave and I looked over at her and she was starting to well up with tears and I said, oh, tears started welling up inside of me and all I could do was wrap my arm around her and she wrapped it around me. I gave her a kiss on the, on the forehead. I couldn't even talk to her. I walked out the door and I got in my vehicle and I sent her a text later. My brokenness. This suit that I'm wearing is a nice suit, right? It brought brokenness. Two months worth of brokenness. I went in May to buy this suit for a wedding. I wanted to look really sharp for this wedding. You know, three-piece suit, looked really good. May 23rd, I go, Cindy and I, we go. I saw Pastor Robert, and I'm like, man, I like those three-piece suits. Where are you get one from? He goes, Macy's, go to South Hills, get you one. I said, okay. So I go up there. They send the suit. It's two days before the wedding. I open the box. I'm excited, right? It's plaid. Or it's window pane. I walked out of that store with just the vest and a shirt, expecting to be able to wear this. So I send it back and I said, you know, I'm just looking for this suit that I want. The, the, the tag on the vest says blue. We even took the shirt, the, the, the coat and the pants with us to the counter. She, he scanned, right, and ordered the right stuff, right? Well, I can't talk to them. I got to go through Macy's.com. Brokenness. Over 20 plus hours on the phone with Macy's.com to get the right suit. July 25th, we finally get the right suit. They sent me the blue plaid or the blue window pane again. And guess what? I said, I will buy it. Evidently, God wants me to have it. 
but I really want the suit that matches the vest. Amen. So the suit brought some brokenness in my life. Again, I'm not trying to make light of anybody's brokenness, right? Natural disasters can cause brokenness. Whether it's a thunderstorm, hurricane, tornado, windstorm, it can all cause brokenness. Power outages, trees down, flooding, water damage, homes destroyed, lives lost. We were able to partner up with Lear Mine and we sent down some, some supplies this week with Lear Mine to Kentucky. Give God a hand clap of praise for that. Thank you for your tithe and your offering because you're able to help bless some families that you don't even know. Amen. Brokenness can be created by others though. And it can be created by ourselves. I'm going to take us into, into Egypt in Exodus chapter 1, 7 through 14. But I'm going to tell you how we get to Egypt first. Joseph has a dream. And he shares it with his parents and his, and his brothers that, that they're going to bow down before him. And Joseph, in the coat of many collars, if you don't know the story of Joseph, well, Joseph is Jacob's favorite son. And dad says, we're going to bow down before you. And he's aggravated about that. And his brothers are jealous of him anyway. So they want, to, they want to kill him. So they take him out and they sell him into slavery. Those people take him to Egypt and he's put into prison where he's auctioned off. Potiphar buys him and Potiphar's house is prospering. And Joseph is doing great until Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. Then Joseph is thrown back into jail. While he's in jail, though, God blesses him with a gift of interpretation. So there's a baker and there's a butler that's in there that worked for Pharaoh. And he's able to interpret their dreams. Not so well for the baker, but it worked out great for the butler. The butler returned to Pharaoh and he became the, the wine keeper for Pharaoh again. So Pharaoh has this dream. And the, the magicians and the interpreters for Pharaoh, they can't tell him what the dream means. But the butler says, I remember a guy in prison. And he can interpret that dream. So he calls Joseph forward and Joseph interprets the dream that where there would be seven great years of harvest and seven years of famine. So in that time, he, he, he rewards Joseph for being an interpreter. He rewards Joseph for, for the God that's given him this interpretation. So during the famine, his family comes down. He, tries, he tricks him a little bit, but it winds up working out where all of Israel comes to Egypt. So Joseph dies, right? And here we are in Exodus 1, 7 through 14. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And that's the problem. There's a new Pharaoh who didn't know the covenant between Joseph and the previous Pharaoh. And he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Least they multiply and it come to pass that when they falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. If God before you, who can be against you, right? In their brokenness, he's adding increase. I don't know about you, but if you put your hand to the plow in the middle of your brokenness, God will add to you. At work, I don't know what you go through at work, but if you, but if you keep your hand to the plow and you work, God will add to you. There will be promotion. There will be salary increase because you're working unto God, not unto man. Amen? 
And they grieved, the Egyptians grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, which means demanding extreme difficult conditions. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service, wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Right now, their brokenness is being created by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You may be asking, what was so difficult about their situation? The Israelites, they had to dig the clay to make the bricks. They had to knead the clay. I don't know if you've ever kneaded dough, but it takes a little bit of time to get it right. They had to knead the clay to proper consistency. They had to form and mold that clay to the bricks. They had to take those bricks outside and dry them in the sun. They had to carry those bricks to the construction site, and then they had to build the cities that Pharaoh wanted them to build. There's many different unions right there, many different tasks that are going on by the, by the Israelites, amen? But it was forced labor. If they weren't doing right, the taskmasters would beat them or whip them. If they didn't follow the orders, they could be almost beaten to death. It only gets worse because in verse 12, it reads, the more they were afflicted, the more the Israelites grew and multiplied. That angered Pharaoh even more to the point now that he's ready to kill off all the sons being born. He's ready to end a generation. He's ready to stop the multiplication. He's ready to stop the increase. He's ready to say, I'm gonna take out a generation so that I can have these people the way that I want them. What brokenness. The Israelites cried out day and night, asking the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to rescue them. They cried out for some years, making their request known to God. The Israelites' brokenness again was created by Pharaoh. Pharaoh's fear brought upon God's people. The Lord heard the people's cry though, and he raised up Moses and he raised up Aaron to lead his children out of brokenness, out of bondage, amen? God delivers the children out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. There's freedom. You would think that they're gonna be happy about this freedom. You would think that being freed from slavery, that they would be extremely happy. But what do they do? They murmur and they complain against God. But God, what's he still doing? He's still providing his best for the people that he loves. And the Lord spoke to Moses and said in Numbers 13 and two, he said, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their father, you shall send a man everyone a leader among them. Freedom, the promised land. 12 men are going into the land of Canaan to spy out the land for 40 years. 12 men return in Numbers 13 and 27. And then they told him, they spoke to Moses and they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It was filled, it was flowing with milk and honey. This is its fruit. He says, while we were in there, we carried grapes on poles between us. It was so enormous. It would feed all of us. A family could eat off of one grape for a day. And then verse 28, it says, nevertheless, remember Pharaoh created their brokenness first. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Nevertheless, 10 out of the 12 spies came back with a nevertheless attitude. 10 out of the 12 said, all my hope is gone. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. It's a great thought. We had fun while we were in there. We've seen great things. There's much land and it's prosperous. But nevertheless, we saw giants and we can't take it. God, the I am that I am, 
He just parted the Red Sea. He held back the waves from, from drowning them. He, he took the waves and he let it crush back up on the enemy that was chasing him. He provided manna and he provided quail for him, a fire by night and a cloud by day. But they said, nevertheless, we can't take this land. Do you know what their nevertheless got them? 40 years of circling the land of Canaan. God punished them 40 years, one year for each day that they were in there spying out the land. Who protected them while they were in there with the giants? They forgot about it. Who walked them through the Red Sea? They forgot about it. It was God Almighty. Now their brokenness is created by their own selves. James 3 and 10, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not to be. In our brokenness, our mouth, our words can keep us stuck in the wilderness. Our words can take us away from God. Our words affect our heart and our thoughts. When we murmur and complain, we stay longer and we stay harder in our brokenness. There's a couple men that come in here on Sunday mornings who's dealing with brokenness. And every Sunday morning, whenever I speak to them, they say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. I'm blessed to be able to get up today. I'm blessed to know that, I, that there's a God that has eternal life waiting for me. Our words, it matters. God gives us free will. He's an awesome God. He loves us. He's not waiting to correct us. But God will teach us through the Holy Ghost. He will teach us and direct us through the ways of the Holy Spirit. He's a God of love. Amen? He wants our respect. And through respect comes honor. With honor comes obedience. With obedience comes freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, out of brokenness. During their slavery, though, they feared God. And they honored the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had a sense of freedom, even in captivity. I say that because they kept their hand to the plow and God continued to grow them and multiply them. He was faithful unto them. Their house was prospering. Psalms 128 and 1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his way. The Israelites lost their fear of the Lord and they lost their way. That's what happens to most of us. We lose the thought of God. We start dwelling upon our brokenness more than upon the promises of God. Amen. Let's look at one more example of brokenness. Let's look at when brokenness meets Jesus. What happens? In John chapter four, Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus and his disciples are traveling through Samaria on his way to Galilee. And, it comes to, and he comes to a well in a town called Sychar. It's the sixth hour. It's about noon. Verse seven reads, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Meaning, give me a drink, please. She looks at Jesus and thinks, I don't know you. But there's a few things that we do need to know about this situation. Jews and Samaritans, they don't associate with each other. Jews traditionally despise the Samaritan race. We also know through historical traditions of times that women typically drew water in groups in the morning. The fact that she was drawing water alone at noon is a good indicator that she's an outcast. And what does Jesus do first? He asks her for a drink. And it starts a conversation between them. She looks at Jesus and she says, you know that I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew, right? She says that we don't have dealings with each other because of that. You know that, right? And Jesus 
goes into conversation with her. He goes, in verse 16, Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. He whom thou hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. I would say that she has some brokenness. I would say that she has some guilt. I would say that she has some shame in her life. I would say five marriages, five divorces would bring brokenness. I would say that you probably haven't healed very much. I would say that you're not trusting the next man that you fall in love with. I would say that you're, that, that you're, you're walking through a town where everybody says, look, it's that woman that's taken all everybody else's man. I would say that there's shame and there's guilt in her heart. But what does Jesus do? He reads your mail. He says, I know all things about you. Why? Because God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. He knows all things. And he's reading their brokenness. And he still reads brokenness today. And there's nothing that he doesn't know about you and I and the brokenness that we're walking through. Jesus goes on to tell the woman that the gift of God is living water. It's eternal life. Verse 14 says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He's telling the woman, if you would drink from my cup, if would you would just surrender your ways to me, there's eternal life. If you would just surrender and hear who I am, maybe your brokenness would just disappear. The woman asked Jesus if, she, if he was a prophet. She goes on to say, I know that the Messiah is the Christ and he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He confirms that he's the Messiah. She drops everything. She runs to the town and she's telling everybody. She forgot about her brokenness. She forgot about who she was. She forgot about her identity. And she ran to the town and told everybody that the Messiah is at the well. The one that we call the Christ, the one that has come is at the well. Come back with me. She brings the whole city back. Many stayed for two days listening to Jesus. Verse 42, and they said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy sayings, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world. In the middle of your brokenness, all you have to do is bring it to him. Whether it's emotional, physically, mental, I don't care. Bring it to him. The woman met him at a well. Wasn't expecting anything. In closing though, we started out talking about natural disasters and the damage they cause and the brokenness they bring. Trees down, flooding, power outages. Let me tell you, when the power goes out, you lose stuff. You lose food. You lose heating and cooling. You lose comfort. You lose peace. When your brokenness, and when you're in your brokenness and you start to lose the power of God, the Holy Ghost power, the helper and the comforter, you lose stuff. You lose peace of mind. You lose peace of heart. You lose your intimacy with God if you don't stay connected to Jesus. Amen? Amen. The stories of God today show us that God loves us. He shows us the truth that Jesus is with us. It might not feel like it. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The stories show redemption. It shows forgiveness and acceptance. When we go through brokenness, 
because of someone else. Keep your hand to the plow and work unto the Lord and God will increase you and you'll be fruitful. Amen. While going through brokenness, watch how you speak about your situation because it's the Lord that will bring you out. When going through brokenness, don't try to hide it from God. Be truthful because truth will set you free. He already knows what's going on. Amen. Bring your kids to church. Bring your families to church. The owner of Chick-fil-A wrote a book titled, It's Better to Build Boys Than to Mend Men. It's better to build your children and your families on the truth of God and his word than have to try and to repair them later in life whenever they're adults or whenever it's crushing down upon them. God loves you and he wants you. Leave your past behind. Today I'm asking you, leave your brokenness here at this altar today. If you need prayer partners, we'll have some up here at this altar. But I'm asking you to, to leave your brokenness. Listen, it ain't, my, it ain't my timing that God heals you, but I pray for miracles. Yeah. Mike, I pray for miracles for you. Ivan, you're not here today, but I pray for miracles for you. And there's many other situations that have created brokenness. But I truly believe whenever I met God at the altar, I laid all my brokenness down and I got up free. And it's in our brokenness that God will meet us. It's in the brokenness if we let go, God will mold us just as those bricks were molded. He'll restructure us for his purpose, just like the Samaritan woman. Jeremiah 29 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God never wants to harm you, but he might draw attention to you. You might struggle through something just because he's trying to get a hold of your attention, but he's got plans to give you a hope and a future. God has plans for you today. This is not a, a five-year plan. This is not a 10-year plan. It's not a 20-year plan. It's not a retirement plan. It's a retirement plan that we have everlasting life, but it's a plan for you every day to get up and just say, God, what is your purpose for me today? Show me what my hope is. Show me what my future is. Can I lead somebody else to the future of knowing Jesus Christ? What is it? The Samaritan woman, she got up from the well and she took off. She realized he had a plan for her today to go and share the gospel and to bring it. Listen, you could be walking through something right now because God is going to bring you out of it just for the future of helping someone else through their brokenness. Amen? Today, many of us walked in all dolled up, shiny, healthy, right? All of our brokenness is hiding inside of us, looking good. Some of us may have walked in being a little stiff neck though too, right? But God just says, bring your brokenness to me today. He says, listen, I see that you, I see that you're taking your brokenness and that you're hiding it under your best garment. But today this altar's open. And I mean right now, this altar's open. Bring your brokenness unto God right here, right now. He's calling you, your brokenness. We're not condemning you for anything, but if you need prayer, I'm encouraging you to come right now. God wants you here. This message was intended for you from June 7th, I believe, to now. I encourage you to come to bring your brokenness to God. I'd ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, or if there's anyone here today that doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if the prayer team will come, if there's, if there's any here today 
that doesn't know Jesus. It's the only way. He's the truth. He's the way and the life. And there's only one way to heaven, and that's through accepting Jesus and asking him to come into your heart. Is there one today? Is there one here today that would say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Is there one today? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. 